I think as entrepreneurs, there is the shiny object syndrome, but right. the perfectionism and then the inaction, like you were talking about, like thinking, you know, 10 years down the line and like all these things you have to do to line up and you can't launch your business until XYZ happens, but maybe XYZ can't happen until A happens, you know? <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm Jared Morgan, and I'm excited to have Sarah St. John here with us this week. Now, Sarah is the host of the Frugalpreneur Podcast, where she talks about building businesses without having to raise millions of dollars. And she's also the CEO and founder of Podseam. Podseam is a full-service podcast website, and she's done it on a shoestring. She's going to tell us how she did it. While we're doing that, we're going to be actually making some chicken wings, some barbecue. You might say that chicken wings aren't barbecue, but I, I would firmly disagree. If As long as there's smoke involved, it's barbecue. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's transition over to the grill and get these bad boys going. Now, you are from the podcast world. Mm -hmm. uh, how often do you cook out while you're podcasting? Uh, never. <laughs> so this is the first, first time for me. <laughs> okay. So, uh, do you ever grill out? Do you ever, you ever cook out or anything like that? Uh, yeah, my husband does. He grills and smokes and okay. we probably go to some barbecue. Well, we're in Dallas, Texas and there's a bunch of barbecue everywhere. Uh, we go somewhere probably every week. I'm so glad I didn't try to do brisket this week oh. with a, with a Texan on the show. <laughs> yeah. I would have got it's like that i love brisket by the way i love it but it is the one uh barbecue thing that i have never mastered oh. like it's always good but it's never great when i do mm. it and i don't know why i follow the directions <laughs> but uh well chicken is my favorite yeah me too and listen all those haters the purists that say listen the purists are already mad at me because i use a pellet grill on the show uh but the pellet grill works for my lifestyle so haters can Haters are going to hate, right? <laughs> um, chicken is, especially if you're smoking something, smoking some chicken wings, um, chicken, on the, chicken on the barbecue grill is fantastic. And um, my parents grew up doing these chicken wings where they would put like Italian seasoning. I almost did that for this show. Italian seasoning, garlic, and onion powder mm -hmm. on them. It was so simple, and they were so good. Um, it was just the best. And so, I don't know, chicken wings – Kids like them. Everybody likes them. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Anyway, it's so good to have you here and, and on our show. Uh, tell me about your journey. So you've got this podcast, The Frugalpreneur, near and dear to my heart. Like, I, I love the idea of grinding and building something without having to wait for the universe to drop a bunch of resources in your lap. Um, how did you come to start a podcast like that? Yeah. So going back to 2008, I had had six different jobs that year. Uh, not, oh, wow. not at the same time, but throughout the course of the year decided I didn't want to work for someone else. So I started a photography business doing weddings and portraits and, but it was expensive to maintain equipment and software and lighting and all that. So I decided to go into an online business model, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I did, I tried a little bit of everything like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, blogging. Uh, and it was in that process that I discovered all these like free or affordable 
tools and software to run a business on a budget. So I decided to write a book called Frugalpreneur that talks about different online business models and how to run them affordably. And then I decided to launch a podcast, also called Frugalpreneur, to coincide with the book. It was just going to be an extra marketing avenue. Um, It was just going to be like 10 episodes, but I got more leverage and traction from the podcast than the book. Love the connections (laughs) I was making and the networking. So I kept that going. That's been over three years now and over 150 episodes. And so I'm. Wow. (laughs) So I can tell you from experience, like 150 episodes is no joke. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of traction. Mm. And also 2008, I just want to point out, like this was not a. That was not a normal time in the American economy. And that was also not a, it wasn't super widely known that you could start businesses on a shoestring and there were all these tools out there. You were, that's pretty cutting edge at the time. Yeah. And so I tried this, that, and the other thing, a million different things. I finally stumbled across podcasting and it wasn't, I mean, that wasn't my goal to like go all in on podcasting. It was just kind of an extra thing I was doing to help promote the book. But then that's kind of became its own thing. So it took over a decade of trying a bunch of different things till I found the thing that stuck. So how did Podseam come about? You're, you're the CEO and founder of a, of a podcast company mm-hmm. now. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I've always done all my editing and production and social media and everything. And I found that the biggest challenge that a lot of podcasters have is pod fade, which just means that they stop doing it usually by 10 episodes (laughs) in 90% of them. Um, And I think that's because they don't realize when they go into it, all the post-production and like the marketing of it and all that stuff. So since I was already doing it for myself and saw this problem, I was like, well, why not just start my own where I, edit it and produce it, create, you know, the show notes and the transcripts and the audiograms and the social media graphics and do the marketing and the monetization. And so it's kind of all from launch to monetization, kind of filling in all the gaps, guest management, all that stuff. That's interesting. And so obviously practicing what you preach, I get nowhere in your story. Did you, did you say like, Oh, I went and found a couple million dollars and and got started, right? I mean, you've you've bootstrapped the whole mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, always bootstrapped, always using any money. Well, first of all, trying to spend as little money as possible, but it was always my money. Um, I never, like, got loans or you know, any of that stuff. I try to... Wow. I think that's the advantage of an online business, though, is that there's not much overhead, like, with versus a retail or brick-and-mortar type of place. So I run my businesses for under a hundred a month. Uh, and that's kind of wow. always been what I do. <laughs> I have cable bills that are higher than that, right? <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So let's unpack that for a second because that, that is, um, that's impressive. And uh, to build a business that's, that's growing and being able to operate it for so low, what, what are the things, like how do, how do you walk into a project like that and, and set it up that way. Cause it feels like it's really easy to just start spending money left mm. and right when you, I know because I've done it many times. Like when you start building a business, the money starts going quickly. How do you run a business for that low? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I spent so much time like researching different software programs and like comparing and contrasting. And I would always go with the free option 
at least initially. Um, and then until I had to, you know, upgrade to the $10 a month or whatever it is. Um, and then I'm always kind of just keeping track of like the latest software that can run your business more efficiently and more affordably. Uh, like for, here's an example. I recently discovered um, a software called system.io that system with an e at the end.io and it's okay. kind of like have you heard of click funnels or kartra or kajabi yeah. Oh, yeah. it's kind of like that where it incorporates your websites landing pages funnels but email marketing memberships community um affiliate program it just it kind of it's all under one umbrella all these different other softwares that you don't even need anymore, but it's a lot more affordable. It's like, well, they do have a free plan, which is what I started on. Cause that's what I always do. And now I'm on the $27 a month plan. Um, but still more affordable than a lot of the other alternatives. And I mean, you could run a lot of, I mean, aside from that, I have my podcast hosting. It's, it's all, you're getting a lot of traction for, for not a lot of money. That's, and so, and forgive me for asking this question. I'll explain why I'm asking it for a second. But do you make money running a business with that low of overhead? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, at a certain point, when you start making more money, it's good to invest in marketing like ads, whether it's social media or like podcast player ads, especially for a podcast or investing in like a VA or something like that. Um. So, but I, so I only spend more money as I make more money. Right. The fact that I spend so little. Yeah. It gives you leverage, right? I mean, you've got, you've got some, you've got more that you can decide to do mm -hmm. with. And, and so I knew the answer to that question, but I wanted to, I wanted our listeners to hear you say that. Like, it's not just that you're spending very little money. You're also making money mm -hmm. without having to spend. And the, it's amazing. Um, you know, it's not a difficult math problem. The, the less you spend, the more you get to keep, yeah. right? When you, when you, uh, you build your business. Mm -hmm. So when someone is um, starting a business, are there things that you tell them that they should do to try to make sure that they're, they're doing this efficiently as possible? Like, are there tips and tricks that you sort of talk to people about? Yeah. So, I mean, one tip would be, it, whatever, whatever you need for your business, try to go with something that offers a free plan, at least starting out. Uh, Cause a lot of software programs have a free plan. It's limited, but that's kind of what I did. And then um, only start paying for stuff as you need to. <laughs> so usually that means as you're making more money, uh, getting more customers or whatever it might right. be. Um, and I definitely recommend having a website uh i think that's one thing that people just assume they can just have a facebook page and it's good to have social media but algorithms are always changing and you never know what's going to happen with social media platform platforms um so it's good to have your own website which isn't expensive to do i mean if you did wordpress it's free you just pay for hosting which can be as little as three bucks a month or you know do wix or right. WordPress. um Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, it's like 10, 15 bucks a month. Um, so yeah, definitely have a website, which then would need a domain, which is pretty affordable as well. And then um, I definitely recommend starting an email list, like having an email service provider like um, 
MailerLite or SendFox uh, so that you can gather emails and communicate with your audience and hopefully get customers and clients at some point through that. So you've got a book you said you wrote, right? The Frugalpreneur book. I'm assuming you've marketed it this way, right? So you've gathered people through the podcast and through the different things that you've done. And then that's how you market your book. You've also got a training course. Mm -hmm. It's all connected, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually have four books now. Um, The latest one is... Excuse me. I'm sorry. Whoa. So it's kind of like as I do something, I write a book about it to like help streamline it for other people to like basically I wrote frugalpreneur which was about how to run an online business on a budget then I wrote authorpreneur which is about self-publishing because that's what I did with all my books then I wrote podcastpreneur so it's like a preneur trilogy and that wasn't the intention starting out um and that's like basically podcasting 101 basic stuff And then my latest one is 27 ways to market and monetize a podcast. Um, And so, yeah, I just like, and they're all really short books, like 70, 80 pages. Like you could read it in 45 minutes. And just because I I feel like I do so much research and gathering and like even testing different things. And I just like to put it all in one condensed form. Um, and I, and I actually give the books away for free. So it's not, I mean, yeah, they're available for purchase on Amazon, make a few bucks here or there. But for the most part, I just want to get the information out there to people to help them with either starting a business or starting a podcast or how to market and monetize a podcast. Let me check the grill while we're talking. Ooh, okay. Get moving here. Uh, I actually went with a more peppery rub this time. So it's it's panning out nice, so that's good. Um, what is your goal? So where, where are you trying to go with what you're doing? So you've got the podcast company. You've got these books and the training courses. Where are you trying to take this? Is there a vision that you're trying to fulfill? Yeah, well, I mean, I think just getting people to understand the power of podcasting, at least for business owners especially, and helping you know, distill that information to where it it's not as complicated. It makes sense. It It's easy. Um, and then, I, I mean, I would like to, I started going to co- podcast conferences. I'd like to start speaking at some of those as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my goal is just to help business owners either launch podcasts or grow an existing podcast and then get more exposure with their podcast and make connections through guesting and, um, and help them monetize as well. So why don't you lay out what is the value of a podcast to a business owner? Yeah. So it helps with exposure, first of all. Um, but also, and, and it adds uh, a credibility. People get to know, like, and trust you as they listen to your podcast Um, But also, like, if you have guests on, um, just the networking aspect of that, especially if the guest could become a potential customer or client or or assuming your listeners even could become a client or a customer, depending on what it is that you're doing, whether it's coaching or consulting or courses or products or services and, and discoverability as well. And then... Even if you're a podcast host, I recommend also being a podcast guest 
because then you're on other shows um, getting exposure to their audience. And then if they're like, if you're a guest on another show, obviously the people listening are already podcast listeners. They're more likely to go over and check out your show kind of a, and you can work out like cross promotion as well um, or, or podcast swaps even and kind of leverage each other's yeah. audience as well. Yeah, I got to get better at that. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm like you're, you're talking. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I got to do that. <laughs> uh, I've been doing this for I don't know how many episodes we've done. Probably fifteen or so. And uh, I made it past the ten mark. Yeah, Yay. that's good. But I've got to get. I got to get on other people's shows and do some things. And so I was just sort of trying to figure this out. This was. It's so interesting to hear you talk about writing a book, and I, I think it's. It's interesting to hear that you wrote short books because I think that's the, you know, when I when when I got to an inflection point in my career a couple of years ago, and I initially started the process of okay, well maybe I'm going to write a book about how I got here and the lessons I learned, and then I started to kind of go like, man, ah, like writing a huge book sounds crazy, but the idea of um, a podcast was really attractive. I don't know that I ever really considered a short book like that, something that's just like short and to the point. Yeah, I definitely recommend that um, because, well, first of all, it doesn't take nearly as much time or, well, I was going to say money, but it's not. Other than paying for like editing, it doesn't really cost anything to self-publish a book anyway. But I like, like for my books, there's hardly any fluff in there. It's just like, boom, 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 gets the point. That's how I like, I don't know. I just feel like that that's, maybe that's not for everyone. I don't know. But I like the fact that people can read it in one sitting. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say much, much uh, higher chance that you're going to have people finish the book, knock it out and read the whole thing. I mean, what is it? The percentage of people that don't finish or percentage of books that never get finished it's like some staggering amount of people that are that never finish books. You know, they get three fourths of the way through or halfway through or whatever. Get a couple of good ideas and move mm-hmm. on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's also a, an advantage of a small book is that someone's more likely to finish it. <laughs> and then if you can put some sort of like call to action in the front and back of the book, um, whether it's a freebie to get on your email list or hey, this is what I offer, go to this website, check it out, or schedule your call, or whatever it might be. Right. So if they can finish the book, that that's helpful. <laughs> I'm always so interested to know what, what how people's journey and how they got to be an entrepreneur. So when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, well, it changed. I wanted to be a vet. Okay. Because I love animals, but yeah. I can't handle animal death, and so... That really, that wasn't going to work out. Uh, And then I wanted to be a teacher, like an elementary school teacher. I don't know. Uh, Oh, and then like I went to school for um, journalism. It was going to be like broadcast media, which now looking back, that kind of makes sense. I only got my associates. Um, I didn't go on. But like now looking back i'm like journalism broadcast media okay podcast self-publishing i don't know maybe it (laughs) you can see like a linear path there sure (laughs) looking back i definitely had a bug for entrepreneurialism or like i think i was born with it in some way or something like that like i can see when i was a kid i would gather up stuff i got for free like pencils and candy and whatever and would try to sell it to my friends but it, (laughs) it didn't really register like i didn't really realize 
that I wanted to be an entrepreneur until, I don't know, 15 years ago, probably. It's funny you say that. I used to do a really similar thing. Like my earliest bouts of entrepreneurship that I was fighting, like, the, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I used to take uh, my dad's firewood when I was four and I would I would load it in the back of my little power wheel like and I would driving off with it. And he thought it was really cute until I started selling it to the neighbors. And he was like, wait, I, wait a minute, I need my firewood. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> And I used to do that. I used to like if somebody got a box of Russell Stover's candy in the in the family, I would like abscond with that and like lock it in a room somewhere and they would have to buy it back for me. I don't know what made me think that I was allowed to do that <laughs> other than just being a, a six year old kid and, you know, thinking that was OK. But it's funny, like at the time, I don't think I really thought about it as like entrepreneurial tendencies, but I, I guess it is. Mm -hmm. and you just kind of either sort of have that or you don't like some people are built to want to do things like that, to build, to want to create mm -hmm. and create something that people want to buy and, or want to be involved in. Um, and maybe you don't have that. And I think probably most of the people that are listening to this show have that gene. So if you're, if you're talking to one of those people and they are asking you, you know, Hey, I want to start a business, but I'm afraid to do it. And I'm afraid I'm going to get caught. And it's going to cost too much money. How do you, I've seen you talk about, you know, knowing the difference of when to spend money and when to not spend money. And you talked about something called shiny objects, shiny object syndrome, which I thought was interesting. Tell me about when to spend money and how to deal with shiny objects. Yeah. So I think with entrepreneurs, one of our, I guess, traits, negative traits would be shiny object syndrome at least every entrepreneur I've spoken with, where you you start something and then you start something else and you start something else or you hear about this or you see this and you're like, oh, I should try that. And, and that's how I was for a, a good decade uh, until I found podcasting. But as far as what to spend money on or not, I mean, if it's an online business anyway, I would try to do like I had said earlier as far as try using stuff that's free at least initially uh, a lot of things have free plans and then only start paying for stuff as you need to as you build wow well the thing I mentioned earlier system.io is 27 a month that's probably the most expensive thing I actually pay for on a monthly basis as far as my um you know most of the stuff's ten dollars or less so just you know Comparing and contrasting different soft, like if you need a calendar platform or a website or a funnel builder or, you know, there's so many different things for an online business. Um, yeah, a lot of people think that they need to spend, just go with the first thing they see and spend the most money. Or like if they're starting a podcast, for example, they'll think that they need to spend $10,000 on like studio level equipment that you'd find at a uh, radio station. But I recommend if you're going to start a podcast starting for like under a hundred bucks, the microphone I have here is an ATR 2100, which was like, I don't know, 60 or 80 bucks. And then, um, and it's a USB mic plugs right into your computer and you, I recommend headphones or earbuds, which most people already have. Right. And then you need a podcast host as well, which can range from free to like 20 bucks a month. 
Um, but yeah, so you could easily start a podcast for under a hundred. You don't need to spend 10,000. <laughs> you would say host, you mean like a, like a digital host, not a person to be on the oh, right. show. You're the host. Uh, right. Yeah. A digital host. Yeah, a hosting service. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I use Captivate. There's Buzzsprout. There's a whole bunch of different ones. Yeah. I talk about it on the show all the time. There's, there's this concept of being, I, I call it being a progressionist instead of being a perfectionist mm. like I see entrepreneurs all the time they get trapped in what you're talking about which is okay I'm going to start okay well I'm going to be a podcaster so I got to be Joe Rogan mm. right I got to have my own room in my house and I got to and I'm guilty of that a little bit too like I have to I had to kind of like practice what I preach a little bit when I was starting this show like my wife was like what are you doing I was like I'm looking at all this <laughs> stuff and she's like just do what you say, like make progress. And if you go back and you watch all of the episodes that we have of this, you can see like it steadily kind of move into what it is now. And I think, you know, a hundred episodes from now, I'll look back on these episodes and be like, ah, what was I doing? Right. But that's how great things are made, right? Is you don't overcommit yourself. You take a step, you evaluate what it is that you've done and how well that works. And then you take another step or you make a change. And once you like do a lot of those little step-by-step -step movements in creating a business, you look up in a year or two and you look back and you go, man, I've made a lot of progress here. Like I'm way better than I was. And I'm way better than most people that are doing this, right? Because you've just sort of uh, prioritized steady forward movement over, you know, coming out of the gate and being the next, uh, you know, big thing. Yeah, I think starting ugly is the expression. Oh. Just get something out there, whether it's a podcast, a book, a course, a online business, whatever it is that you're wanting to do. Don't be a perfectionist about it and wait till it's, quote, perfect because it never is. Just get something out there. And then if it needs updating, edits, whatever it is, you can do that after the fact. Like an example is... So my latest book, uh, the goal was to get it out in time for podcast movement, which is a, a podcast conference. And I did get it out that week, printed up um, like 100 copies so that I could hand them out. But because there was kind of that deadline, I did do like a, an edit and a proofread, but not to the extent that I would normally do. Uh, and then I noticed after the fact while I was reading it that there was maybe a handful of you know, incomplete sentences or weird wording or something. So now I'm going back and, and fixing those, but at least I had the book when I needed it and to hand out. So right. yeah, don't wait for perfection. Just get something out there. Yeah. I mean, I've got friends and people that I've worked with for years that are trying to start something on their own. And like, you just, you talk to them and it's like, you know, some people are like, it's been years, man. Like, just start, yeah. just start, you know, a year from now, you could be a year into this, like, just start. Well, I can't start because I am building this type of business and you can't, I mean, they've talked themselves into mental traps. Well, you, you I, I hear what you're saying. I've had people comment on my stuff on social media. I hear what you're saying, Jared, but you know, it doesn't apply to my business. And I'm like, does it, <laughs> does it not apply to your business? It And then I'll sit there and think about their business and go, I could come up with five ways that you could get started right now. Mm. And they're like, well, you know, I'm trying to build a business that you got to make this product that takes years to make. And I'm like, okay, well, could you um, 
you know, license a product from someone else in the meantime and sell it and make an arbitrage and start building your brand. I'm, I have a bias for action. I think most people, if you're going to be successful, you got to take action. Um, people that sit back and let the world come to, I, I said this the other day, it's like, it's a stupid saying, but I've done better in my career making the wrong decision and doing it vigorously <laughs> than mm. like, than sitting back and having indecision take over, right? Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes decisions aren't necessarily always binary. You know, they're not mm. necessarily always right and wrong. There might be a decision that was better that you'll get further out there with, but sometimes like maybe the decision that was good enough for the moment, but you, like I said, you do it vigorously, you worked really hard, you probably got a lot further and got yourself a lot further down the path than you would have if you'd have just sat back and done nothing. Indecision mm -hmm. is the quickest way to kill momentum, to kill uh, potential, and to kill businesses. That's uh, Anyway, that's my rant that I get on. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely true. I loved all the little um, accents you were doing there or voices. Oh, yeah. That's when, that's you know, my person that annoys me, well, hey, I, you know, that's when, you know, I'm talking about somebody <laughs> that's getting on my nerves. But I look. The whole reason why I'm I'm doing these podcasts and doing this stuff on social media, by the way, if you're listening and you're not following me on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, please do. Um, trying to put out a lot of really cool content there. Um, but I'm just trying to give people, you know, I didn't go to a Ivy League school. I didn't, um, you know, I, I didn't come from some background of where we have like millions of dollars to apply to. Like I had to, you know, I came from a very blue collar community and kind of had to get my hands dirty and do it. And I have this belief that if I can do it, I think anybody can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it takes courage, um, and it takes action. And I wanted to kind of share, that's the whole reason why I'm doing all this. I wanted to share what I've learned from a guy that didn't have it handed to him, you know, the tricks and things that I've learned, the decision-making kind of loops you can get into. And then I wanted to have people like you on because I think it's really important for people to hear that, um, anybody can start a business, right? Anybody can start a business. The, the, the whole fear of getting started, like here you are with this whole litany of information through the frugalpreneur movement, right? That you can start without spending a ton of money and you've made progress. And now, and maybe you put yourself in a position down the road to your point where you can spend more because you've made more. Now, well, I was running on $100 a month, but now I'm making $1,000 a month what could I do if I spent $300 a month? I've already got that to spend because I've made that now. Um, I don't know. People need to hear these kinds of stories. And I'm hoping that over time, we start to learn about people that started businesses hearing messages like we're trying to give them on a show like this. I think as entrepreneurs, there is the shiny object syndrome, but then right. there's also the, the perfectionism and then the inaction, like you were talking about, like thinking, well, and I guess that kind of goes with perfectionism, like thinking, you know, 10 years down the line and like all these things you have to do to line up and you can't launch your business until XYZ happens. But maybe XYZ can't happen until A happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you had to do this in order to, to live, you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody put a gun to your head and said, well... I'm pulling this trigger unless you figure out how to get this business to make some kind of progress. I bet you'd figure something out, right? <laughs> I mean, that's this, this defeatist attitude. Or, or, or I've, I've, I used to, with people I would work with, sometimes I would say, um, well, how are we going to figure this out? And they go, oh, I don't know. And then I would say, I would 
tell a lie and I would say, well, I've got it figured out, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. What do you, what do you, how do you think, how do you think I've figured it out? And then you start seeing people going, well, you probably did this and you probably, and I hadn't figured it out, right? But the fact that somebody told them it was possible to figure out makes them start getting realistic and go, well, you could do this. Mm. All right, let's check the grill one more time. Sarah, it's been great to have you here. Um, Thank you. Okay, now we're getting some, look at that. Crispy brown, we're going to go a little bit. If I could, if I could ship them to Dallas, I'd ship them there. Do you have a couple? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking. I wish I was there so I could actually eat them. So, what do you do with them? Do you and your family just eat those after, or are you kidding me? You think I? Of course, I eat these bad boys. Like <laughs> I would. I, I. This is you. Don't don't call me for the next hour. Right. This is what <laughs> I'm going to be doing. The, me getting familiar with a with a bucket of ranch dressing with those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I figured you probably did eat them, but I was like, are, do you have a party like people over or you just, no, I I've, although I do, I do have people in my family that kind of catch wind when I'm recording a podcast episode and just mysteriously show up at the house uh. when the thing's over, right. For, for whatever <laughs> it is that we're cooking. And you know, uh, the, again, like I said, the point of this show is, um, I do all the grilling because I had something I love to do and it's fun, but, I love the idea of entrepreneurship being approachable and being, um, it doesn't have to be stuffy. It doesn't have to be this like beat your chest. I'm crushing it, bro. Like that kind of, you know, what is it? Hustle porn. They call it right where I'm working so hard, man. I can't even see straight, you know, like it doesn't have to be like that. It can be measured, reasonable, hardworking progress that can be made to create a business. You know, mm-hmm. and I love the name of it, slow smoke business, because obviously you're slow smoking, but also it kind of has that double entendre where it's like building a business slowly, or at least yes, yeah, taking the steps you need when you need them. I'm I'm glad you said that. So in a couple of episodes, uh, we've got uh, a guy coming on that was the co-author of the book Blitzscaling which is the polar opposite of that, right? It is about mm. getting huge, fast. And so I can't wait. I don't know if it'll be a debate, but I can't wait to talk to him. His name's Chris Yeh, super smart guy. I can't wait to meet him. But uh, I, I really want to, because that's not a playbook I know. You know, for mm. me, I, I built a business in Alabama. And so there just wasn't, um, you know, venture capitalists around every corner throwing money at us for a half-baked idea like there is in Silicon Valley or Boston. You know, here you actually had to have, uh, you had to have some meat to your plan and it had to be reasonable <laughs> and you had to have some traction. And, uh, but it'll be really interesting to hear because of course the co-author of that book, Reed Hoffman built LinkedIn, that guy's a legend. And so, um, they certainly know what they're talking about. It's just kind of a different worldview. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, heard of that book before i'm gonna check that out oh yeah i love reading blitzscaling will probably be very much at odds with the frugalpreneur yeah mindset it'll still be interesting to read though (laughs) well sure and i'm sure there's there's always something you can glean from that and i don't i mean there's all there's there's more than one path home right i mean i it clearly has worked for many people that there's a way for you to do that and get big and and get big really fast um and then there's also uh plenty of schmucks out there that did that uh, like the WeWork guy that apparently has raised mm. 300 something million dollars for his next uh, venture. Oh, really? Somebody, somebody yeah. gave that dude money again. Oh. You know, it's like. <laughs> Did you watch that? Um, I th- was it on Apple or Hulu? Oh, yeah. The, was the, it? Uh, the, we crashed. 
Yeah. Yeah. Was it was it was great. <laughs> it was uh that guy is it was, so Jared Leto did a great job in that show, but it, it is um it's fascinating to watch someone who is equal parts brilliant and and brash and but also reckless and mm. sort of idiotic and, and and watching someone go I mean there's I think most explosive growth stories like that there's a character somewhere in there like that I also watched the one um, called uh, Super Pumped which was about the creation of Uber and Travis Kalanick I think it's on oh. uh, uh, Showtime or something like that but if you haven't watched oh, that I one need to that watch one that. is really good right he was um, Travis Kalanick definitely not a schmuck you know very smart guy but uh, played really fast and loose with the rules and some of the stuff he pulled over on Apple, mm. you know, is sort of like, I don't know, that took some cojones, right, to do that. And I, I don't know, he, he ended up out of there because of the culture that they created. But it's that's a wild thing. And I think most big businesses that have grown up and blown up into something big, there's a story in there somewhere like that. That's always interesting when you can find it and tell it. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. I hadn't heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sarah, it was so good to have you here. Um, you can always tell when you have a, another podcaster on because it starts to get real casual and we're just chatting, <laughs> right? Somebody knows what they're doing. Um, if people want to plug into your book, your training course, all the stuff, where can they find you? Yeah. So I actually give away the book for free at podseam.com forward slash free book that's p-o-d-s-e-a-m.com slash free book and then if you want to check out the podcast wherever wherever you are listening to this podcast just search frugalpreneur and it'll come up all right frugalpreneur i'm gonna grab it subscribe and hit five star like i hope oh, everybody awesome. does for this show please subscribe yeah, and hit five star it. thank you one for, I don't know if that's illegal that we just traded it, but we're doing it out in the open. So there's got to be something <laughs> said for that. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we'll see everybody next time on the Slow Smoke Business Show. 